Draw me like one of your French herrings. It's Friday, June the 22nd, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Gordon Derrick, contributing editor at Dutch News and school camp survivor, and with me today are Molly Quell, contributing editor at Dutch News and celebrity dog owner, and Paul Peters, master student in civil engineering and ape mourner. Cool. So, Molly, uh, the fourth member of our podcast team turns out to be our most famous. He is definitely the most famous. <laughs> and the cutest. And well, he's also well, the cutest. Well, definitely the cutest, Definitely yeah. the cutest. No, he, uh, a, a photo of him was featured in the uh, Metro this week. The, there's a, they do have pictures from, like, a hashtag train labor. And uh, there was a very cute picture of him waiting at the train station. Uh-huh. And Metro is the largest newspaper in the Netherlands. Yes, and I have copies for literally all of our listeners if they would like one because I took like every single copy from the station. <laughs> so send us an email and we will send it to you. We can send you a copy. Yeah. Yeah. So now the whole country now knows about uh, your dog yes. and his habit of and kind of staring at those uh, entry gates yeah. at the station. Yeah. He does. He likes to, he stares because he knows that, that Niels or I, if Niels is walking him, I was walking him at the time, is coming through the gates. He has learned. So he stares at them very intently. Uh. And uh, Gordon, you went to summer camp? Your no, kids? I didn't go to summer camp. No, one of my children went to a school summer camp this week, and it was a big, uh, big day for him because he's never been away from home except with his family. Uh, so he was away for two nights, and he went to a summer camp. Yeah, and is it a, was it a summer camp located on the U.S. Texas Texas Mexico border? No, there were chance? no. He wasn't kept in a cage, and he the, there was no walls, and uh, Have no, you got nobody him? had nobody, Has he been returned to you? Nobody had to sign an executive order to uh, <laughs> to return him to him, and I didn't. I wasn't uh, given a bonnet by. Okay. Uh, by they're not being so no. given bonnetches. There's like a whole lawsuit about this. There's like some judge who was like, wait, if the police take your wallet, they have to give you a receipt for it. But if they take your child, they don't have yeah. to. And the government was like, yes. D- this isn't about the Netherlands? No, this is not about the Netherlands. This is referring to the baby concentration camps that the U.S. Yeah. government Well, apparently not concentration running. camps, summer camps. Well, I have to say, I think there's a very different atmosphere. Uh, having heard the audio from the summer camps in, in America, it was a different type of summer camp from the summer camp my, my son went on. Although he did burn his finger. Yeah. Um, so I don't think he was being interrogated. I think he was just trying to make toast. But uh, no, allegedly, that was the worst allegedly. thing that happened. Yeah, 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 allegedly, yeah. yeah, we have to say that. And did he did he like it? He enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. No, I think uh, he was he was quite tired and came home, but he he had fun. Yeah. Good. Good. Paul, this has been a sad time uh, for you because uh, you're you're in mourning for uh, Coco the ape. Yes, yeah. very much. Uh, I uh, only learned about his or her existence uh, yesterday. <laughs> I saw a headline that said Coco the Gebarentaal ape. The oh, sign yeah. language app, Same. and, I, and I, I really loved this word. I thought it was a marvelous <laughs> word, and uh, yeah. So I'm uh, now I'm kind of sad that he that he or she. I, I think yeah. it's a boy. It's a boy, yeah. yeah I think so. And I also heard that uh, that that he had adopted like two kittens or yeah. some, something mm-hmm. somewhere yeah. in there. But and it was an ape from California or something. Yeah, he was in a zoo in California, wasn't he? And uh, he was featured on the front cover of National Geographic one time. Yeah, because they taught him sign language. Yeah, and yeah. gave some kind of message. I saw a video of him uh, supposedly signing a mess a warning to the human race. The human species about climate change. Was it the middle finger? So, so, uh, he's scratching his head a lot and um, I think yeah, if, if, if they'd educated him at this time he'd have just needed one gesture which was the face palm and yeah. that would probably, <laughs> probably just about yeah. all eventualities. Yeah. But yes. for me there was only one ape and that's Boquito. Of course. Indeed, yeah. yeah. Coco, to be fair to him, he learned sign language, learned to communicate uh, through these gestures, but he never actually asked for a five-minute uh, break to gather his thoughts, did he? Unlike <laughs> somebody else. Uh, <laughs> yeah, unlike Thierry Baudet. He was asking Parliament uh, the question if uh, journalists that are hired by the state uh, broadcaster should have the right 
to be independent or not. Yeah, yeah. I think she was being asked specifically, should the government have any influence over who works for the NOS? Cause no, and what they write about. Yeah, yeah. and what they yeah. write about. Yeah. And he, he had to, to, to think five minutes about uh, before he could give an answer to that. Yeah. I don't even know what his answer was. I his just... answer was... That's an interesting point, because <laughs> I know this, because I saw this video clip come by, because the Veve Day, very smartly, put it together to make it look like it was, uh, is it Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, yes. I think? And so underneath the screen, they had four answers, three of which were like sensible answers, and then Interessante Punt was one of them, mm. and that's of course the one that Terry yeah. Porte went with after thinking about it for five minutes. Yeah, uh, it was interesting that Fefe Day very quickly mocked this up into a, into a video for social media consumption, because that sort of brings us rather neatly as if it was scripted round to our op of the week, doesn't it, Paul? Yes, that's an excellent uh, transition. Uh, the op of the week is about uh, fake news by the Denk Party. Radio 1 programme The News Befe revealed uh, that during the local elections pro-diversity party Denk considered publishing a fake poster of the PVV with a photo of Gerrit Wilders and the text After March 15th, we will purify the Netherlands. Denker insisted was only an idea of the campaign commission with the purpose to warn people about the PVV, but uh, the idea was scrapped after three days because it was deemed uh, distasteful. Uh, however, the poster was in fact made and a test advertisement was put online, mainly directed at Denmark and Germany. Geert Wilders is uh, furious and announced he will file an official complaint of slander by the Denk Party, whose main focus point, ironically, is the fight against uh, fake news. Denk leader Azar Khan announced to do the same, but then directed to the radio show. Yeah, because he then released a clip of the journalists who broke the story, right? So, so suggesting that they were kind of trying to stitch up Denk in advance. Right? Yes, yeah. and uh, these videos uh, were shot in the parliament building, yeah. and it is uh, a policy of the Tweede Kamer that it's not allowed to, to film a politician without their permission. Uh, and now Wilders, of course, is uh, by filing this complaint, is kind of keeping the story going, but he, he doesn't really have a case, does he? Because, I mean, he's only really got upset about this after the event and the the, the, the poster wasn't actually used during the campaign. No, so he, yeah. doesn't, he, he doesn't have any case uh, against them. Or, it's also ironic because it was, uh, of course, Geert Wilders who, uh, who put this Photoshop of Alexander Pechtold in a uh, jihadi uh, protest uh, online. So, mm. um, um, yeah. So he's got form as well. He has no yeah. legal high ground and no... <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but um, I was interested. In, uh, Tom Yamouse and uh, the NSA also said that this is the way politics is going now. I mean, so Favorite Day have also d- didn't go to this extreme, but they're also making up videos and Denk video of the, it. Yeah, yeah and of form the for we- democracy as well, doing this kind of cutting videos and putting them on social media and kind of just bypassing. Yeah, so the that's whole new. That's process. the new. That's the new way politics works. And yeah. the question is, when are you going too far, and when are you being funny, and when is it when is it acceptable? That's uh, yeah. that's the question where we're gonna have to ask in the in the near future, I think. This week we have news of some terrorist gun runners, a plan to tackle climate change, printed houses you can live in, and how a Dutchman is off to Turkey while a group of Dutch Moroccans are coming home early from Russia. In our discussion, we'll ask if the attempt to legalise cannabis production is out of joint. Police arrested three Dutchmen on Tuesday on the suspicion of participating in a terrorist organization. The DNA traces were found on weapons linked to terrorist organization Islamic State, which were found in Paris following the 2016 terrorist attacks in Brussels. The three men, aged 26, 30 and 54, were arrested after raids in Schille, Groningen and a prison in Zaanstad, where one of the three was held. A fourth suspect who is already in jail in Sossenheim wasn't arrested and a French suspect was arrested in Rotterdam as well. The IS safe houses in Paris contained five automatic rifles, guns, 30 kilos of explosives, false passports, mobile phones and jihadist literature. 
Were these suspects involved in the Brussels terrorist attacks, Paul? Uh, the public prosecutor said they don't think they were directly involved, but they suspect it's likely they uh, provided the terrorists and the ISIS cell with weapons. And it's also further evidence of the role um, the Netherlands plays in the illegal international gun trade. And the suspects will appear in court uh, later this week. Yeah, so it looks as if there's uh, some kind of a route of uh, illegal weapons through The Hague, Rotterdam. Making a pit stop involved Paris. to shoot some stuff up. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Continuing yeah. So. yeah but these, these guns seem to be coming from Slovakia, I was reading uh, yeah. uh, originally. But it's, uh, it is the case that uh, a lot of uh, weapons from uh, from the former Soviet Union uh, are now uh, on the black market. So yeah. uh, Kalashnikovs are still one of the uh, m- most preferred weapons uh, uh, f- for terrorists. Yeah. Uh, so it's highly likely that uh, the weapons uh, that are now in the black market are also from the from the former Soviet Union. Negotiations on a new environment law that will set CO2 emissions targets until 2050 reached an end this week. All four coalition partners and the three left-wing opposition parties, GroenLinks, the Socialist Party and Labour, have agreed the deal. It commits the government to reducing CO2 emissions by 49% of 1990 levels by 2030 and by 95% by 2050. The government has already agreed to stop connecting new homes to the gas network and build more offshore wind turbines. The plans represent a change of heart for coalition parties Fefe Day and CDR, who were previously reluctant to legislate on renewable energy, but Christian Democrat leader Sibon Buma used a party conference speech this month to press the other parties to reach an agreement. He complained the talks had lasted even longer than the seven months it had taken to put together the current coalition. Weren't these targets originally higher, Gordon? Yeah, there was a bill put uh, forward by um, Labour and Groen Links in 2015, which had the target of reducing CO2 by 55% by 2030. Uh, this is a bit of an unusual move, because Labour at the time were in government with a Fefe Day, but the Fefe Day didn't really want to play ball, so they went to Groen Links to, um, uh, to put together a proposed legislation. So the targets have been watered down a little, but of course uh, the upside is that there is now a much stronger coalition in favour of it. In fact, the seven parties have got a total of 113 seats out of 150 So in the trade of karma, so the law is certain to pass. Um, and uh, this comes uh, just as the United Nations issued uh, another warning this week on the global warming. Yes, the UN's Climate Committee has warned this week that unless countries took quick and decisive action, the planet will be warmer by one and a half degrees by 2040. So um, pretty soon. And there's a report in the journal Nature last week as well that found that the Antarctic ice shelf is melting faster than we previously thought and 3.3 trillion tonnes of ice have disappeared in the last 25 years and the pace is accelerating. That paper was co-authored by a TU Delft uh, aerospace professor. Oh, which one? Uh, Wouter van der Waal. Ah, yeah. oh, mm-hmm. that's nice. Yeah. I mean, it's not nice that we're all going to die because of climate change. Yeah. It's nice that you're going to die. No, thanks to Buma, we're not going to die. Yeah, well, I mean, the Netherlands is... A small and insignificant country in terms and, of and, and Sibon Buma is a small and insignificant person within the <laughs> Netherlands. So. so really, we're screwed. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know what we're not screwed about? Uh, Prisons, crime, crime. Yeah. Apparently, the Netherlands doesn't have enough crime, or at least enough criminals to keep the country's prisons open. The cabinet is considering closing a further four prisons because of falling prisoner numbers. The Ade reported on Wednesday. Sources told the paper prisons in Zoetemir, Zeist. Almira and Zwach in Nord-Holland are set to be shut down by Justice Minister Sander Decker, the first major cuts since 2013, when 19 jails were earmarked for closure. The 2013 closures led to a storm of protests from prison workers, and the government began importing prisoners from Belgium and Norway to fill the gap and keep some prisons open. The previous government decided not to close more prisons because of the impact on employment rates. <laughs> Perhaps we could uh, also import uh, children from Texas. Yeah, I mean, there's, some, there's plenty <laughs> of children in Texas that could be uh, kept in jails here. That's fine. 
Yes, but does this mean uh, the crime rate has dropped? Yes, according to National Statistics Office CBS, the crime rate in the Netherlands is now back to the level it was in 1980, which has left one third of prison beds empty. Uh, of the 13,500 beds available in 2017, only 8,400 were occupied, according to the ADE. Uh, half of these criminals came from Delft, apparently. Yeah, they yeah. all came from Delft, yeah. and the rest were imported from Norway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One person has been killed and three others seriously injured in an accident involving a van at the Pink Pop Music Festival in Landgraaf, Limburg, on Monday night. According to eyewitnesses, a group of 12 festival goers were sitting on a road near one of the three campsites of the festival when a white van plowed into the group after which the driver left the scene at high speed. The abandoned van was later found in Heerle, not far from the crash site. Belgian and German police were involved in tracing the driver due to Landgraaf's proximity to both borders. The driver turned himself into police in Amsterdam on Monday evening. The police said on Tuesday there is no terrorist motive behind the incident and it's still unclear if the driver was under the influence. Pink Pop is a popular annual three-day music festival which this year attracted almost 100,000 visitors. Yes, and it's kind of a, maybe indicative of the times we live in that one of the first things that police had to do was rule out terrorism wasn't yeah. it? because immediately if there's any kind of incident like this people immediately think Yeah, is it? Yeah, is it? Is it another deliberate attack? Yeah, it seemed well, like it was. I mean, not even not terrorism, but not deliberate at all. No, it's, it's just an accident. But then it's curious that the driver sort of drove off um, because he must have hurt or felt something. Yeah. Um, and then didn't uh, hand himself in for another couple of days. Yeah, probably. I mean, maybe there's speculation that he was under the influence, which means yeah. he didn't want to get in trouble for driving while drunk or driving while high. So. But it is allowed after an accident to turn yourself in after 12 hours. It happened because um, the police realizes that uh, people react differently to mm. to to these kind of situations and sometimes people people's first reaction when they're on the on the so much stress is just flee the yeah. flee the scene yeah. uh. In sport, Philip Koku looks poised to leave PSV Eindhoven after Turkish club Fenerbahce made a formal approach for the manager. Koku, who's won three league titles in five seasons, is widely Koku. tipped. Koku. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of strange names. Do you know anyone else called Koku? No, he's no. the only Koku. one. Yeah. Too bad Coco, uh, Coco, Coco, Coco the monkey never married <laughs> Philip Koku, otherwise we'd be Coco Koku. Coco Koku, that'd be brilliant, yeah. Koku, who has won three league titles in five seasons, is widely tipped to be unveiled at the Istanbul club next week. He could name his former Barcelona and Netherlands teammate Mark van Bommel as his assistant, although van Bommel is currently trying to help his father-in-law, Bert van Marwijk, steer Australia out of the World Cup group stages. Dirk Kout, who once played for Fenerbahce, has also been put forward as a possible member of the coaching staff. Meanwhile, at the World Cup, the threadbare Dutch interest has waned even further with the elimination of Morocco after their first two group matches. The Moroccans, who have five Dutch-born players in their squad, headed by Ajax's Hakim Ziyech, dominated their match against Portugal, but were unable to find an answer to Cristiano Ronaldo's early goal. Yeah, and there was also some ophef about uh, one of the Moroccan players in this match, right? There was a lot of ophef about Nordin Amrabat, who is a Dutch-born Moroccan. Um, he was playing even though he'd been concussed in the opening group match against Iran, uh, but his manager decided uh, that he was okay. He said he was a warrior. Uh, he was sent onto the field with a protective head guard, although it was basically just a kind of sort of very soft hat, uh, which he took off anyway after 15 minutes because he said it was too hot. Uh, but FIFA said the decision to put him on the pitch was 
was questionable because he admitted that he'd, he had no memory of the six hours after his clash of heads in the Iran game. Um, he actually spent the night in hospital as a precaution. Um, but football doesn't, unlike a lot of other sports, have any sort of formal um, rules about uh, how long players uh, should be off the pitch after they've been concussed, even though, uh, as has been shown in uh, sports like rugby, if you have a second blow to the head, you can it can kill you. You know, And, and he said the thing that really inf- infuriates uh, medics in the situation. He said, I felt fine. Of course you do, because you've got no nerve endings on the inside of your skull. Right. So you're not going to... But his brain was damaged, and he needed to recover, and he was in serious danger if but, you took the field. But well, luckily, uh, he didn't get a blow to the head, and he's all right. Yeah, well, hopefully it will lead to some uh, regulations on, uh, on on these kind of uh, issues and situations. Yeah, I heard something about the Netherlands winning the world championships of something. Yeah, they're, they're the Dutch are world champions in robot football. They won the <laughs> Robo Cup, which is uh, a terrible pun, but it's the name for the world championship in robot football. Robo Rania which is another terrible pun, won the final against Portugal, uh, mostly because Robonaldo was unable to play due to a low battery. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't write that. <laughs> it, it, it was me. Gordon. <laughs> no, I wrote this. In one possible solution to rising house prices, a Dutch construction company has started 3D printing houses. Von Weinen, based near Eindhoven, announced this week plans to complete five houses by the middle of 2019. Called the Milestone Project, the homes are located in a wooded area near the district of Meerhoven, close to the Eindhoven airport, and will be rented out by real estate company Vesteda. The construction company has debuted them as the world's first 3D printed houses, since they will be the first to be occupied and thus have to meet applicable building regulations, unlike previous 3D printed structures which were used for demonstrations. The homes are constructed off-site by a 3D concrete printer and will be assembled in place. So, Molly, would you have bought one of these 3D houses if it was on the market uh, a month ago? No, I thought the photos of them were kind of ugly, but I guess they work for some people. They were kind of round-shaped or something, right? Yeah, what, they, they? yeah, well, I mean, it looks like a poured concrete mound house, basically, because that's what you get when you 3D concrete print a house. Uh-huh. But can they not just clad them with bricks or something like they do with regular houses? And yeah, then but, they look fine. but then it's, then it's not a 3D printed house, Gordon. Well, it is just inside. Uh, just a the shell inside of the of, house uh, is three D yeah. printed. If, if, if they would have printed these if bricks, print the then bricks. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can print them as well, of course. Yeah, but they wanted to like three D print the whole. Don't look at me, man. Talk fix construction. <laughs> <laughs> uh, would you rather live in a uh, in a cube house than uh, than a three D printed house? Yes, I think I would rather live in a cube house than a three D printed house. Mostly because the 3D printed houses are being built in the middle of the woods near the Eindhoven airport, <laughs> and the cube houses are in city center Rotterdam. <laughs> yes, there are also some in Helmond, yeah, I guess. I don't want to live there. No, no, no. I don't want to live there either. And uh, there was also some upheaval uh, about this, uh, right? Yeah, there was a lot of media attention at the announcement, and then a lot of skepticism that these were the first, because there have been other like 3D printed houses and that kind of stuff. The newspaper NRC did a check and concluded that these, assuming they are finished on time, will be the first 3D printed houses that will be occupied. Yeah. And this comes at a time just as uh, house prices have hit a new record level in the yeah, so they're quite timely. Up, they're up to uh, house prices on average have now exceeded the uh, peak of the 2007 levels in this country. So yeah. we are up, up, up. So we're right up at the point uh, where they crashed last time. So that's yeah. encouraging. Yeah. <laughs> so on the upside, uh, we've purchased our house agreed upon the price a few months ago. So I think we're maybe slightly lower, but also like won't be moving anytime soon. So hopefully we'll we'll be okay. We'll be discussing the progress of the attempts to get uh, legal cannabis production off the ground after this word from our sponsors. For over 30 years, Access has been helping internationals settle in the Netherlands. 
Access is staffed by an all-volunteer team, themselves internationals, who know firsthand what the challenges are with settling in a new country. They can answer your questions or guide you to the right resources, and they also offer an on-call counseling service. You can find out more information about Access on their recently updated website, www.access-nl.org by contacting the help desk at helpdesk at access-nl.org or by dropping into one of their expat centers in The Hague, Utrecht, Amsterdam and Leiden. Rutte's third cabinet announced in the coalition agreement an experiment will be held to allow 10 municipalities to legally cultivate cannabis. The experiment with regulated growing is supposed to remove the grey area between the sale and production of marijuana. Currently it's legal to sell but illegal to produce and supply cannabis. However, a commission investigating the plan concluded on Tuesday the experiment is not wide enough to be properly representative and would therefore be pointless. The commission also recommended to increase the number of marijuana types produced in the experiment and to give buyers mandatory health and addiction warnings. Is legalizing marijuana cultivation a good idea? So we should probably start out because a lot of people often get this wrong when they talk about drugs in the Netherlands. What is the actual legal status of weed uh, in this country? There are currently 600 coffee shops in the Netherlands. The coffee shop being a place where one yeah. buys marijuana. Yes. Cafe, one basically. buys coffee. No. Thank yeah. you for clarifying <laughs> that, Molly. Um, and in these places, selling drugs is still technically illegal, but under strict conditions, coffee shops are gedoogd to sell uh, soft drugs, that is tolerated. Yes. tolerated. Uh, there's not, yeah. not really a, a, an English word for that. But they are uh, allowed to sell up to 5 grams to customers. Uh, they won't be prosecuted if they do so. However, it's still illegal to buy soft drugs in stock or to mass produce them, forcing coffee shop owners to deal with criminals. And uh, when this policy was uh, first introduced a couple of decades ago, it was uh, internationally seen as very progressive. But since then, however, several countries, including Paraguay and uh, and several uh, U.S. states, have surpassed the Netherlands in how they deal with soft drugs. That is only making clear the necessity of getting rid of the gray area um, that exists between uh, selling and uh, producing marijuana. So basically the problem is that you have this what's often called the front door, back door situation where you're allowed to sell it at the front door but you're not allowed to buy it in at the back door. So the wholesale is completely illegal and therefore coffee shops have to acquire their supplies from the black market. Yes, and back then that was uh, that was seen as a very progressive uh, compromise between uh, um, people that were against and for um, legalizing uh, uh, soft drugs, but it's more and more becoming clear that this is just an idiotic situation. Yeah, and it's actually uh, been a real shot in the arm for drug dealers because it gives them a sort of a legal place to sell their wares. Exactly. Yeah. So it is not totally illegal to grow, right? Because you can grow your own for personal Again, use. Again, it's, it's illegal, but it is gedoogd. Gedoogd, mm. yeah. To have five plants. So Basically, the situation is such that, like, if breweries were illegal, but bars were still allowed to sell beer, right? Basically, exactly. So, yeah. that's, bas- that's a good an- analogy. So what is this, like, new plan, exactly, Paul? Yeah, the new plan that is announced uh, can be seen as an effort of the coalition to get rid of the grey area, um, allowing specifically licensed and strictly regulated marijuana cultivators, uh, they think will lead to a fully enclosed production cycle with no crime, better wheat and high incomes for both producer and the government. A very limited amount of trusted and highly qualified cultivators in 10 municipalities will will be given permission to to grow cannabis and to sell it to coffee shops within that municipality. Yeah, and and we should say, I suppose, that the demand for this has come from the municipalities, right? Because they they produce papers over the last few years uh, really calling for the government to legislate for this because they have problems, of course, with crime at the street level, with um, drug dealers uh, running around 
around and uh, and also of course there was a great issue a few years ago when the government tried to have more restrictive laws on coffee shops and they found that that suddenly led to a rise in street dealing and all kinds of associated crime with it. Yes, local governments have, have been really begging the, the national governments for years now to, to come up with an idea to solve uh, to solve this problem and in the new coalition it's of course there's a sister who is uh, mostly in favour of legalising the sale and the production of weed and other drugs as well. The favour day is uh, rather conservative even though the favour day party congress voted in favour of a motion on clarifying the grey area on the current weed law but the Christian parties especially the Christian Uni are very much against anything that has to do with uh, with drugs basically because it's their opinion that the government shouldn't allow the sale or production of addictive products except tobacco and alcohol of course uh, but as a compromise uh, the coalition decided to have this experiment which will last four years so after it ended uh, the coalition is gone and then the, the new government will have to deal with uh, with the results yeah and of course the CDR the Christian Democrats had it in their manifesto to close all the coffee shops so they've really gone against their instincts uh, yes and they really compromise for them yes and uh, the, when they have this experiment uh, and it is a success they can say well it's uh, it's a success uh, look at us uh, being progressive and if it mm-hmm. fails then they can say well we we we, we allowed an experiment but it failed so yeah. uh, nothing, nothing to, to lose nothing to lose no and this report that came out this week like what does this involve what 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 happened there uh they uh called for a number of of changes uh yeah they uh, they said that uh one of their uh, advisors was to uh to have more than 10 municipalities uh, participate in this experiment they want uh, 15 to uh, to 20 municipalities with a uh, wide variety in size in location in the number of coffee shops within that municipality uh, they just wanted to be representative be- yeah. for, for the Netherlands. They want better data, basically. Yeah. Yes, and they uh, also uh, advise us that uh, there should be the lowest amount of transportations as possible from farm to the coffee shop to prevent criminals from, uh, from for example, seizing the weed. Um, and they also advised uh, not to automatically stop the experiment after four years in case of a uh, success. Seems like reasonable, yeah. I guess, suggestions. Yeah, but on, on that point of trying to shorten the transportation distances, of course, uh, Amsterdam this week have said that they don't want to be involved in the cannabis cultivation, right? even though it obviously is a municipality with the largest number of coffee shops. Yes, so and was... uh, the commission said that they prefer Amsterdam to take part of it because you know weed is Amsterdam, basically. So what do we think? What's what are what are our thoughts on the experiment? Well, I I am a. a a bit mixed because I have mixed feelings about this because on the on one hand I think there there should be a solution to the to the gray area because it's just ridiculous that that it's allowed to sell your product but it's not allowed to uh, to produce it um yeah but I'm going to have to to wait and see how it uh, how it turns out yeah I think I think it's a problem that's just crying out for a, a solution because it's been going on for years and I think almost all a lot of I think the politicians have been involved in setting up the original system in the what was it, early 70s uh, when when they brought in this original uh, progressive kadokpolait uh, so it, it it just doesn't doesn't work in the, in the long term if you uh, if you don't um have any kind of uh, legal supply chain you, you end up as you see that that uh, criminality and criminal drug production has uh, has increased dramatically over that time so they need you to, to to do something but it is it's still going to it's not going to make the um the issue go away overnight or, or solve the problems there is still going to be illegal drug dealing because drug dealers are still going to or drug producers are still going to produce you know other drugs that are illegal like um ecstasy and uh, cocaine and of course about 
Uh, 80% of uh, marijuana produced in the Netherlands now is exported. So you can imagine that there's going to be... Yes, and that will still be illegal. There, there will still, you still imagine that, 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 that there's... Uh, I can't believe that there isn't going to be a situation at some point where you know, where some municipality produces a surplus of marijuana, doesn't know what to do with it. Um, and that uh, that's going to be very vulnerable then to finding its way onto the black market. Yes, because in this idea, the uh, the, the cannabis farms are only allowed to, to, to produce marijuana for national use um, but as you said 80% of the marijuana that is now being produced in the Netherlands go abroad um, so that market will will still exist within the Netherlands so if your idea is that uh, you want to get rid of all the illegal plantations the, the wheat farms on, on the attics of, of people then um, this is not a good idea because 80% of them will remain to exist. One of the key goals here is to, to reduce the amount of crime but I'm wondering how much, how, what percentage of drug crime is related to marijuana marijuana production because it's never the big boys are involved in marijuana production it's usually um uh, you know your neighbor who has a marijuana farm in his attic who's doing it on the side uh, uh, next to his his normal job um for example a month ago the largest cannabis farm ever was found uh, in eindhoven and it was uh, worth 0.5 percent of the uh, national marijuana production in the Netherlands so that's the biggest farm yeah. there are so many small mm. small farms it's not not that big of of, 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 of of a deal in terms of crime so the people who walk around in the city centers with their guns and who are shooting people in the streets of Amsterdam they're not involved in weed they are involved in cocaine and in ecstasy so if you want to get rid of that crime then this is not uh, a very good idea. On the other hand, it did appear that the ongoing shooting situation in Delft was mostly related to marijuana and the sale mm. of marijuana. So maybe it will reduce some drugs-related yeah. crime. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, and it will hopefully have um, positive benefits as well in terms of uh, health because you can regulate the, uh, the the quality and the strength of the product uh, better when it yes, is actually Yes, that's, uh, that's also one of produced. the ideas. And the, the, the commission also has said that uh, they want to increase the types of marijuana that is mm. going to pr- be produced in the, uh, in the legal farms. And they want to have 15 types of marijuana and 10, per- 10 types of, uh, of hush because otherwise... if People want want a wide variety of, of products, and if they only have one, then they will be uh, forced uh, to go to the streets to get uh, to get the products they want, yeah. or drive to the next municipality over, which is not participating <laughs> in this experiment, right? Which I suspect may also cause problems. Yeah. Although I do think, in defense of this, that it will probably reduce the sort of annoyance nuisance crime that we talked. So we talked about what was that last week, two weeks ago about the. Uh, things that annoy people the most, right? And, you yeah. know, it's like scooters in the bike lanes and yeah, all the stuff. And, yeah. Litter. But, you know, a lot of the border regions, you know, places that share a border with Belgium and Germany, um, have called strongly on this, right, that they have all of these issues that are related to people coming over the border to buy marijuana. And so one would think, um, you know, and they, they had a lot of complaints about, you know, related drug offenses, right, that it's annoying when people are dealing drugs on the street and this kinds of stuff. So... Maybe it will go far to reduce those sorts of things, which does seem like it would improve people's quality of life. So yeah. I guess that that does seem like a positive. And, and if we look at similar um, things happening in countries such as Uruguay and uh, I believe Canada and uh, Washington State and uh, Colorado, um, you know, it brings in a lot of money for it's the government. It's a lot of money for the government. And yeah. uh, currently the total weed uh, revenue in the Netherlands is estimated to be 1 billion euros. Well, that's, of course, everything. That's an estimation, so it could be a lot bigger. It could be a lot less, but it will probably be a lot bigger. Um, so uh, we are looking potentially at a 
at a at a gold mine, basically. Yeah. And we all know how much Dutch people yeah. love. Their, I, I think that will sway yes. the argument for a lot of Dutch yeah. people. Yeah. Yes. But I think I've, I think fundamentally as well, if you if you've created a market, however limited for something uh, a product like cannabis, you can't just then shut it down. People expect it to be available, and they expect to be able to get yes, and their, their supply of weeds. So you know, I think the only direction to go in really is to, is to open it up. And that's that's also one of the other uh, concerns, uh, for example, made by uh, some addiction clinics. They yeah. they fear that if you normalize uh, weed and marijuana, uh, because you legalize it now, it, it does, the state produces it basically. Mm. Um, uh, you are normalizing it in such an extent that youth will start using weed much earlier than they already do it now. And the danger of getting addicted to something is much higher if you start earlier. Yeah. So addiction clinics are, are worrying about the, worrying about that. Yeah. But, but the Netherlands isn't especially high on the league table of um, uh, marijuana use among teenagers, right? Even though no, it's more not widely yet. available. No, that's true. Yeah. But if you normalize it, yeah, I don't know what the effects are. No, then if, if you normalize it, also takes, it also takes away the kind of taboo element of it. So t- maybe you could argue teenagers are less tempted to try it out behind their parents' yeah. Like yes, and that's that your parents do. Yeah. Yes, and that's what coffee shops uh, are saying. Uh, spokesperson uh, Miranda Brown says that she expects customers to go to illegal sellers anyway because they get tired of the state weed and right. it's it mm. sounds boring and you know it gets the thrill away of of doing something illegal, not legal. I mean, I I find it to be the sort of an interesting argument because I don't I, I don't know, maybe we run in different, like, social circles. I suspect we do. But I feel like weed I is just so. not... Yeah, me too, right? <laughs> I don't want to spend any more time with you people. I feel like in my social circle, which is, you know, fairly highly educated, like, people who generally go to their, you know, cocaine yogi, the cocaine yogi social circle is about <laughs> yeah. Right? But, like, n- nobody bats an eyelash about, like, having marijuana. I mean, like, lots of people... I mean, we're not regular smokers i occasionally engage in like smoking a joint every once in a while but you know if we have people over like they go outside and like smoke a joint or like for a party or whatever like it's just there's it's not like a ta- I, I don't feel like at least in my world that it's like a particularly taboo thing it's just no, kind I, of think, like, I, I think the general idea in the netherlands is that parents accept that it happens and if it happens then you know they accept it but yeah. But they rather have not their children to to start doing drugs yeah. of any kind. But yeah, if it I, happens, then if 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 they're using any drugs, then yeah. uh, then use some joints and not, yeah. not anything else. I think that's the that's the general yeah. idea. Yeah. yeah, but I kind of see it going the way in some ways uh, a similar experience to what's happened with prostitution, where it's been been legalized and there is kind of a you know, there is a you know a officially sanctioned way. Um, to get involved in it, but uh, there is still an illegal uh, market running parallel. Yeah, I mean, I think the prostitution analogy is a little problematic because of how prostitution is viewed by society versus marijuana is, right? Like, I think that if your kid came home one day and was like, Dad, I'm going to get married to this lovely person, and you said, well, what is their job? And their job was prostitute, you would probably have a lot more reservations than if their job was like, working on a cannabis farm or owning a cannabis farm like i'm not sure that that's ideal for any parent but i think one is probably much more concerning than the other and i think like as long as society sort of views the selling of sex in that way that it's really hard to extract like the illegality from it whereas like you know marijuana is just kind of like we were just saying right like it's just not viewed in the same sort of taboo way necessarily i think it's different if you if you use marijuana and if you produce it i think that's that's a whole other other ground yeah yeah i mean yeah it's certainly it's certainly a different thing but i wonder i mean my suspicion is is that in 20 or 30 years in the netherlands that like cannabis producers will just be at like 
hanging out at the same cocktail parties as basically everyone else in Horica, whereas, like, people who run brothels are still going to, like, not be invited to fancy high society parties. Probably. Yeah. 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 One of the reasons you have a big illicit trade, um, prostitution trade is simply because you can still... Um, the, the costs of running a legal brothel are very high, obviously, because you have to have, you know, um, you have to pay proper wages and have health checks and uh, pro- um, proper premises. So it, it's still attractive for gangsters because your average punter coming into Amsterdam on a you know, stag weekend is just kind of not interested in whether um, the, the prostitute they go with is ethically sourced. It is, so you can still offer the service much more cheaply on the black market. Yeah, I think that's part of the reason yeah, there's still yeah, demand yeah. for that. And, and that, I think, does still apply in the in the drugs situation. If, if you run a, um, an official cannabis farm, there's going to be more costs involved than if you're just supplying your wares on the black market. Yeah, another concern is that uh, how are you going to deal with with foreign people who come to the Netherlands and want to buy uh, some weed? How are you going to do, deal with that? Because right now the the production, the idea is that the production is fully uh, focused on 100% focused on the Dutch market. Mm. But if you have someone coming abroad and they want they want to buy some cheap weed because it, potentially the the price of the weed will probably drop dramatically, like it did in in Colorado, for example. Um, how are you going to deal with that? Yeah. And um, the problems we had with coffee shops in border municipalities, for example, in Rosenau, where I come from, they just shut down all the coffee shops because everybody got tired of all the French people and all the Belgian people who came to Rosenau to get their weed and to uh, to drive uh, back under the influence of, uh, of, of of these substances. How are you going to deal with that? Then we come back to the idea of the week pass. Yeah. That was uh, uh, another experiment we had in, I think it was Maastricht? Uh, it was in all of Limburg and Brabant originally, wasn't it? I yeah. Think. yeah. And, and the idea is that... Um, I thought the only the idea was that you could only if if you ran a coffee shop you could only sell um, to licensed customers basically customers had to kind of have uh, well they didn't actually have to have a um, uh, an actual card but they they had to be registered as um, yeah, as, as members of your um, of your coffee shop and, and they uh, had to show that they were living in the Netherlands yes, in order to be able yeah, to yeah. do that yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and, and that was very unpopular because a lot of uh, people said well I don't want to be on a register of drug users that uh, that's held by the municipality the experience was in the municipalities that people didn't go into coffee shops anymore they started buying uh, marijuana mm. on the streets and couldn't it be an idea to just show your id or something just like well, you have the, to do in the, end, when, uh, in the end that's what they've done isn't it they, they, now officially you're supposed to only be able to go into a coffee shop if you can prove that you're a resident of the netherlands however some municipalities like amsterdam are not enforcing this deliberately not enforcing it again so again you have the same problem because as you say the the, the legal marijuana is supposedly is only for domestic consumption but given most of the coffee shops in Amsterdam and Amsterdam is not enforcing this rule that you're not supposed to sell to foreigners yeah then what's the point of having this yeah, uh, yeah. everything that there's you're going to create this um uh, this diversionary route yeah. yeah and also I think it weirdly creates like a secondary underground opportunity for people to engage in another criminal activity so right like you drive over the border from Germany and you find someone who's probably loitering outside of the coffee shop to buy your marijuana yeah, and then for sell you, it to you and again on the street which is again illegal yeah, yeah. yeah. so then you know, now the neighbors are upset because there's drug deals taking place there's an opportunity for scamming and that kind of stuff which leads to other criminal acts so yeah, it seems like a bad plan. Yeah, so, so the repressive route doesn't work either. And in fact, I think this week there's uh, news that uh, the government was uh, deliberately twisting reports that uh, led to the introduction of the Veep Pass. And um, the, 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 there was a study saying that it was a bad idea and it wouldn't have the desired effect. Um, but another solution, of course, to get rid of the grey area is to get rid of uh, the legal or the gedoog construction. So the, uh, get rid of all the, uh, the coffee shops. That's also a solution. Yeah. 
that seems. But like then you're criminalizing yeah. everything. Yeah. yeah. And do you want that? Yeah. No, of course we, we, not. We kind of, uh, yes, sort of uh, suggested that, that that's not really the route to go. And uh, what do you think the 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 results of the experiment will be? I think it will probably be a success in terms of money. It will bring in a lot of money for the government, and then all of a sudden everybody thinks it's an idea, a good idea, and then it will probably be carried out anyway after four years. Yeah, I think we'll end up in the same situation as Khadog uh, Belight, where a kind of per- a temporary experiment becomes a kind of is just extended indefinitely. Yeah, I agree. The money is going to be too tempting for municipalities to be able to walk away from this. Okay, that's uh, all we have uh, for you this week. This podcast is a uh, production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leaving us a rating. My thanks to Gordon Derek and Molly Quell. I'm Molly Quell. <laughs> Kidding. I'm Paul Peters and we'll be back next week. Mm-hmm.